0: You're listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. Book of Exodus, if you've been following along, we're in chapters 21, 22, and 23 this morning. And uh, it's old case law that God put down in the Bible for people. And I feel like when people reach this part, like, This part probably has the least amount of highlights or underlines if you're a Bible reader, Uh, because people get to this part, and I feel like they treat it like they do the Terms and Conditions Agreement on iTunes, where you're like, yeah, that's too long. I'm not going to read that. (laughs) Check, agree. (laughs) Like, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's good. We love the Bible. It's in there. Bible, I'll sign off on it. Sure, it's Bible. But I'm probably not going to read that. (laughs) That's way longer, and it seems complicated. And... uh, Yeah, with that iTunes agreement, did you know, like, that when you sign up for that, it's 56 pages, and they just keep adding to it, so it's kind of like a joke at this point. Like, every week, you get a new, like, do you agree to the new terms and conditions? You're like, "Uh, sure, I don't know. (laughs) Like, I want to keep listening to music, I guess, so sure. And, uh, like, in there, do you know that, like, Apple, like, one of the things you sign off on is that they can track where you go? (laughs) So when you plug your phone in, if you link it to your computer, your computer downloads a log of where you've been and your GPS coordinates. Did you know you're signing off on that? That would be one of those things if you read it, you'd be like, I don't know. But I mean at the same time you might be like, well, everybody else uses iTunes. I don't know. Just sign off on it, I guess it can't be that bad. What's Apple gonna do with it? I don't know. <laughs> but uh it's one of those things like that would have been useful to know before I signed off on that. Or Instagram, when you sign off on that, they own your photos. Like you still do too, but they can use your face and copy and paste it and put it on stuff, you know, for like I don't know, like muscle protein shakes or whatever kind of those sidebar commercial things you see show up, they can use your likeness for those things. It's like, oh, I wish I'd known that before I signed up. I probably still would have, but at least it'd be good to know (laughs) that that's what's happening. Um, We read the Old Testament. I feel like sometimes we just sign off on it, but unlike iTunes agreements and Instagram agreements where we find these like hidden traps. We're like, rut row. <laughs> in the Old Testament, we actually find hidden treasure. And so if we take time to actually read through some of this stuff, there's actually some real gold buried in here. And so my goal this morning is to try and help you see some of that. Um, it is a long list of stuff. And so um, last week, like Stan said, he kind of covered the, the big 10, the 10 commandments. They kind of give you a big picture of like the world as it ought to be. Right? Like, people shouldn't steal. They shouldn't kill. They shouldn't commit adultery. You should just stick with your own life. You should worship the one God who exists. And that's, that gives us an idea of how we should function in the world as it ought to be. Uh, but we live in a complicated world where things aren't the way they ought to be. Where uh, you go on vacation and you accidentally steal a fork from Pizza Ranch. <laughs> we have kids, and so you have the one in the, in the little swingy thing, and you sit them down, and you give them a fork to play with just to distract them, and then you get in your car and you leave, and you're like... I think we stole a fork from Pizza Ranch. <laughs> like, what do we do? We're on vacation. We just we drove 200 miles. Do we turn around to give them their fork back? I don't know what to do. It's a complicated world. <laughs> or, autocorrect makes everything worse. <laughs> you know, like uh, I was trying to. One of my friends was saying that their wife was trying to listen to my wife does these Facebook Live things, and I I meant to write pages Facebook Live stuff is gold, and autocorrect. Change it to, pages, Facebook love stud is gold. <laughs> and so I was like, and I didn't catch it till like the next day when he, you, he texted back, it's like, what? <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, so we live in a complicated world where things don't go the way you plan. So we need more than just big picture, how should the world be? We need rules to like function in the world as it actually is, because it's complicated and people steal stuff and what are we supposed to do and um, how do we interact with that? So that's where we're at this week. Like God's giving people case law. If you remember a couple weeks ago, Paul Sabino said that uh, Jethro gave Moses some advice, said you need, you're doing this on your own. You're doing it wrong. You need people to help you. They needed some common language. Like how do we do stuff when somebody's ox gores somebody? What do we do? We need a rule for that. Like what does that look like? So this is like kind of a long list of case law. <clears throat> now a couple caveats. Like, Uh, you don't memorize all of case law. You just kind of deal with the case as it comes up, right? Like whatever case you're dealing with, uh, Stan's wife, Sarah, is a lawyer. And so like if she has a case, she goes and investigates case law with respect to that specific case. So when you're really into like a thing, you go and look at that. So I'm not going to cover all these this morning, which you're probably happy about. Because I mean, if you've seen like TV... One case takes 48 minutes, you know, it's like open, shut, dan dun, you know, Well, in order. Like it takes, so if I did 48 minutes on each one of these, I think you guys would probably be like, that was longer than I thought it was going to be. So I'm not going to go over all of them. I'm going to kind of blitz over and just uh, hunt and peck a couple good ones and uh, draw some stuff. I think for some people, like when they hear like, okay, God gives me an idea of what the world should be like, but now he has like opinions about like the inner workings of like how my days go. There's like two responses to that. One of them is like, if you like your God in a box, like you're off here and then I kind of do my dishes however I want to do them. <laughs> like, this is kind of going to be a bummer to you. You're like, what? why is God all up in my wallet? He's all up in my calendar. Why is he in my kitchen? Why don't you just stay in church on Sunday and let me do my thing? So if, if you like your God in a box, these rules are probably going to kind of feel like an encroachment, like get out of here. <laughs> Give me some elbow room, God. I got some, my own things going on. But if you've ever found yourself in that place where you're doing your dishes, and you're like, what's the point, God? Like, I'm so tired. I'm so sick of wiping up puke and vomit off sick kids. How do I do this? Like, where are you in all this? If that's your heart, this is really good news. Like, God is in that stuff. And, like, if you want God in your life, he actually cares. He has opinions about how you should dig a hole. (laughs) We're going to find out in the scripture. Which you're like, well, that seems... Just let me dig my hole. (laughs) Just let me do whatever I want. But if you want God in your life, he has opinions about the world as it is. He knows that you don't live in an ideal world. He knows that you live in a world where you steal forks by accident. He knows that you live in a world where people hurt you unintentionally or sometimes on purpose. And so it's helpful to know that. And it's good to know, remember, these laws are God's way of helping you deal with a less than ideal world. So when you read these, don't be like, well, God wants this to happen. This is his interacting with the world as it is. The Ten Commandments are the way the world should be. These are rules for how we interact with the way the world actually is. So let's jump in. Um, What a better way to start your morning than let's talk about slavery, right? Yeah, it's it's overcast and we're all tired. Let's talk about slavery. What a fun way to start our morning. (laughs) But he starts it off, Exodus 21, verse 1 and 2. Now these are the rules that you shall set before them. When you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh, he shall go out free for nothing. So God starts right out of the gate when he's giving them case law for how to interact with the world around him. He's like, let's talk about slavery. Let's talk about that. And it is interesting that he would start with that, right? Because these people who are receiving this, just within within months, actually were slaves. These people were slaves of Egypt. Do you remember that? They were delivered. They were slaves. This is who they were. So right out of the gate, God gives them rules on how to interact, how to deal with this thing of slavery. And I think it's interesting that he would lead with that because you would assume somebody who's been victimized or abused or hurt in a specific way wouldn't need rules on how, like they would intuitively know how to treat people. They, would, they wouldn't do that to somebody else, right, because they know the injustice of it. But Pastor Tom, a guy at Cornerstone in Ames, Iowa, has this phrase. He says, hurt people hurt people. Just because you've been hurt in a certain way doesn't mean that you wouldn't turn around and do that to somebody else. It's no guarantee. Just because you've had something happen to you that was very hurtful is no guarantee that you would not turn around and do that to somebody else. It's all about, are you in the position to do it? Like, like people are being victimized and they're like, well, I would never do that to somebody until they're in power. And then they flex it back. Now that I have the power with my mom, I'm going to turn it and, withhold the kids from you because you hurt me. So I'm going to hurt you back. That's how we interact with the world sometimes. And so there's no guarantee just because you've been hurt that you will not do that. So hear God's word on this. If you've been hurt, if if you have something that's happened against you, God agrees with you that was wrong. People should not have hurt you. But listen to him. Don't become the same kind of people. Maybe it's just Circumstances. Maybe if you were in charge, maybe if you had the power, you would flex it for wrong too. So check your heart and hear from God on this. Secondly, when it comes to this, this isn't slavery the way that you think it is. When we hear slavery, we all imagine a very specific kind of slavery. But to show you from Scripture that that's not what he's talking about, I want to jump ahead. I'll have it on a slide up here, 21 verse 16. Look at this verse. He says, Whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Very clear, right? What happened in colonial America was stealing people and selling them. God says, if you do that, you deserve to die. Capital punishment is reserved for people who murder people and for people who steal people. If you steal someone, you deserve to die. It couldn't be more serious than that. So when you hear this, this is not what they're talking about because if a Hebrew did this, did what we did, what America did to other people, they would have deserved death in his eyes. So that's not what he's talking about. The slavery that he's talking about, that he's interacting with, it's still a result of a broken, gross world, but it's more like people who are in debt and they can't pay it off and they don't know what to do and so they sell themselves to somebody to work it off. That's what we're talking about. It's like indentured servitude would be the fancier word for it. It's, it was often voluntary, like somebody just like choosing to do it. Or it was like, like community service. <laughs> it's like you, you did something wrong. And so now part of your punishment is that you're serving this. But also notice it wasn't meant to be permanent. Did you see that? And then he shall go free for nothing. This was not meant to be a permanent status. This was meant to like help a person get back on their feet if they're in a bad spot. Or to help them serve time for being an idiot, (laughs) you know, for, like, stealing stuff. And it's like, they didn't have jail, so they had this. Like, you will work this stuff off. And so that's kind of what we're interacting with here when it talks about slavery. And that still kind of sounds kind of old-fashioned, and, like, that's still kind of weird. But think about it in these terms. I have this other verse up here, Proverbs 22, verse 7. It says, the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. When you are in debt, you are a slave to whoever owns your debt. Anybody have home loans? (laughs) Some of you don't have student loans yet, but you will. (laughs) They want that money back as it turns out. (laughs) I worked for the Department of Education as a debt collector, believe me, they want their money back. And uh, when somebody owns your debt, it can feel like you are a slave to them because who gets to decide what happens with your money? they do. (laughs) And they want the first and the best, and they want it now. (laughs) And they really don't have patience. They don't care. Like, oh, I know. Like, everybody's got something like, oh, it's really hard for me, and my life's like, they don't care. It's their money, and they want it back. It can feel like slavery. (laughs) And anybody who's trying to pay off a home, pay off a car, any of you who have yet to start paying off your student loans, whenever that window you graduate and like that that lease of freedom on life runs out and <laughs> you have to actually start paying those things back, you'll feel the weight of it. And, and the way this like, actually plays out in people's lives is they delay things like like marriage. Like, I really want to get married, but we're in debt, so we should wait until I'm at X financial spot. And so like, all of a sudden these things have big consequences. Or, well, now I'm married and we want to have kids, but we're in debt and we should really have X amount of money in the bank before we have kids. So now, something you wanted to do is being delayed because of debt. And like, you feel like enslaved to it. Like, well, I can't. I want to, but I can't because I'm being controlled by something else. Something else is making my decisions for me. That is slavery. Or you want to start tithing. You're like, I really want to start giving to this church. I, I want to participate. I want my dollars to go, like, I want my heart to follow my money. And so, like, but I just don't feel like I'm in a good enough spot yet. I need to get my finances worked out, and then I'll start giving. So your heart wants to do something that you feel like you can't. That's slavery. You're not making your own decisions. Something else is telling you how to orient your life, even when your heart wants to do something different. So it might sound old-fashioned and different, but like, I understand the context they're working in. We have similar things operating in our lives and certain restrictions that hinder how we interact with the world. Move forward to 12 through 14, if you're still in Chapter 21. It says, whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. But if he did not lie in wait for him, but God let him fall into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place to which he may flee. But if a man willfully attacks another to kill him by cunning, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. So this is kind of elaborating on like the vow shall not murder, right? Remember last week, don't murder, ideally, right? That's a good world. Like that's the world as it ought to be. But like, what do I do in a world where I kill people by accident, We're like, I didn't mean to. Like, what do you do with that? I mean, I'm guessing you haven't done it. (laughs) I'm hoping none of you killed somebody by accident. But this is pointing to the fact that your motive actually matters. Like how you felt about what happened or your responsibility in the matter is something that matters to God. And so for some of you, this is really good news. Like the fact that God knows your heart. He knows you didn't mean to hurt that person the way that it ended up hurting them. Or like, it's good to know that God takes that into consideration, right? If it was just a flat, don't murder somebody. So if you fall asleep on the wheel and kill somebody, that would be horrible. But God knows you didn't try to do that. Like, he knows maybe you should have pulled over and gone to sleep. There's all kinds of responsibility that's still yours. But God knows that you weren't laying in behind a bush waiting to attack somebody. We know the difference. Our law system knows the difference between premeditated murder and an accident. We call it manslaughter. God knows that too, and he takes that into consideration, which I think is really good news. Like, we have, uh, I have five kids, and so some night we do dance party. And so we have a house, but I mean, you take five kids, it feels small really fast, <laughs> no matter how big of a house you have. And so we'll do dance party at night, and so like, you got elbows flying, and, <laughs> and you got all kinds of stuff. And usually somebody takes an elbow to the face at some point. <laughs> or a knee to the wherever. (laughs) And uh, nobody's trying to hurt somebody though. So you don't pull that person aside and like treat them the way that you would somebody who hid behind a corner and punched you in the face. Those are different things, right? So you're like, that's unfortunate. We live in a world where people dance (laughs) and hit each other by accident. But the way that we interact with our kids, the way we interact with people when they do that or the way we hope they deal with us when we do that by accident, it shows that God's interested in that. But this is also really bad news in some ways. Because some of you have bad intentions, but you're a bad shot. (laughs) You would pick off way more people if you could. You're just bad at aiming. You send that passive-aggressive comment and they just didn't get it, which only makes you madder. It's like, don't you know I hate you? Why don't you just get it? You've done that before. Don't look at me. (laughs) You've done that. You've said something which you hoped that they would get and they didn't get it, and that only made you more mad. You sent that subtle thing on Facebook. And they're like, why don't they understand that? I just hate their guts right now. You meant harm, and it didn't hurt them because either they were too stupid to get it or, like they just, or they're the better person than you. You ever considered that? Maybe they understood it, and they just let it roll off them. But your heart was bad, and God knows that. God knows that you meant to hurt them. Like, I worked with this... I used to work with people with disabilities, and I worked with this kid who was 14. Um, but he kind of had, like, the mindset of, like, a five-year-old, but he was, like, a man at 14, so he was, like, a 14. And that kid had murder in his eyes. <laughs> and he, he wanted to hurt me. Luckily, I was able to, like, outfox him and stuff, but, like, I, I dodged a few kitchen knives working with him. <laughs> like, his intention was to murder me. <laughs> I don't know if he would have, like, fully accepted it. I mean, it's like a toddler. Like, like my kids, like, you want to believe that toddlers are innocent and pure, then borrow one of mine. <laughs> Maybe it's just mine, but they have, if they could do to you what they want to do, you'd all be dead. <laughs> that's why, like, Stewie, like, on Family Guys, like, that's what they're like. They really want to take over and destroy the whole world. <laughs> because everything revolves around them, and anything you do to them that impedes their desire to, to inflict their will on the world, they're like, murder! <laughs> and that's, in them and like that's that's to not to their credit it's not like oh well they're just people it's like that's what we're like though and god knows even if you can't pull it off you don't have the resources or the power the authority to do it god knows what's in you and that's bad news because <laughs> it doesn't mean you're just in trouble for the stuff you did it's for the stuff you wish you could do or the stuff you thought about doing or the stuff you tried to do and couldn't pull off so God cares about your motive, but he also raises this question of like, okay, so a guy kills somebody. He, he, let's say he waits, he's really mad, so he intentionally waits behind a bush, and a guy comes and he kills him. So now you take that guy to another guy who's going to kill him for as a punishment? You're like, well, that seems like, well, isn't the executioner guilty of premeditated murder? <laughs> it's like, he's sitting there waiting for this guy to come and kill him. Understand, you, you can see the difference, right? Like, if you're speeding And a cop is going the other way. And he whips around and comes, chases you down and pulls you over. He's like, you know, roll down the window. You do it. You're like, "Uh, where's my registration? I can't remember the last time I thought about where my registration is. You're all kind of in a panic. He's like, do you know how fast you were going? You're like, do you know how fast you were going? If I was going 85, how fast were you going? (laughs) You caught me. You turned around and caught me. Like, how fast were you going? We're both breaking the law, man. (laughs) You don't, get to like, you don't get to tell me that I'm wrong and then do the same thing and then give me a ticket. <laughs> it's clearly different, right? He has the authority to do that. And he's not doing it for his own, just like, da, da. I should have woken up earlier, but I'm late, so I'm just going to zoom. He's doing it for a very intentional reason, and it's not like out of selfishness or just out of ignorance. Like, well, who knew what the speed limit was? I was going through 50 through a schoolyard. I don't know. <laughs> like, it's different, Right? So just to, in case that objection occurred to you, it's different. God's enforcing the law. It's actually upholding the law. It's actually showing that life is valuable by making this the ultimate punishment. For if you do this kind of thing, you deserve to die. This shows that life is valuable and it honors life in general. Like I said, I'm not going like to go through all these, so I'm going to skip forward again here. Don't corner me in the lobby and be like, what about verse 16? Like, I didn't study all these. <laughs> like, I, I mean, Look at them. Read through it. I, you can't study all of these. <laughs> and in, in, in prepare for, like, a 30-minute talk. Like, so don't corner me. I'm sorry. Like, we can interact, and I can give you some thoughts, but I might not know in depthly. So let's skip ahead again to verse 28. This is kind of a fun one. If you have an ox, pay attention. <laughs> when an ox gores a man or a woman to death, the ox shall be stoned, you know, the way you kill an ox. Like, how long would it take to kill an ox with a rock? Oh, my word. They are a rock. It's like throwing a rock at a rock until the rock goes away. Um, and its flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall not be liable. So the owner's not at fault, like, if that happens. But if the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past and its owner has been warned but has not kept it in, and then it kills a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned, and its owner shall also be put to death. Okay, so... God's, here he's like addressing this idea of like, were you ignorant or are you just defiant, right? Like, did, he, God takes into account, did you know? It's like my kids, this is like the fourth week in a row they haven't been at church because they're sick. And if I took them to the nursery, it would be my fault when your kids get sick because I know better. I know my kids are sick. But if I didn't know that, if they're acting healthy and everything and I take them there, to the nursery and then all of a sudden they get sick tomorrow and then your kid gets sick tomorrow, I'm not liable for that. Does that make sense? Because like, I, I didn't know. You didn't know. Like, if you get my kid sick, you didn't know. But if you know and you bring them, then that's on you. So whoever got my kid sick, <laughs> I just want you to know God knows. <laughs> it's your fault. Um, but <laughs> reading through this, it occurred to me, ask the question, like, why does this guy have an ox that he knows gores people? <laughs> if you, did you read that, like, verse 25? But if the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past, like, it's the kind of ox that gores things, but, you know, he's good people. I'll keep him around. Like, what is, why does this guy even own this ox anymore? He's in violation of the verse in front of it. He should have put this thing down, right? He knows that this thing doesn't go well. And I, I mean, who knows why this guy did this, but I, mean, I remember I had a coworker back at one of my old jobs. Her name was... Uh, Abra, like as in like cadabra, but <laughs> just the first part, <laughs> and she was magical, um, but uh, she honestly loved her cat more than people, like, one, I, and I was trying to get into her head, I'm like, this is crazy, like I was trying to like tease it out to get her to like buckle, and we were sitting there, and like a person was walking past outside, and I'm like, random guy, right, if one of these has to die, your cat or this guy, who do you pick, and she's like, oh, the guy, easily, Like, are you kidding? Like, that's a person. Your cat is a cat. That's a person. It's a human being. Like, you would rather him be dead than your cat. I know, I get you know your cat and you don't know that guy. But the thing he has going for them is that he's a person. (laughs) Right? Like, so I feel like that gives him, like, some pull with you, or it should. I don't know if this guy is like, well, I really love my ox. I mean, I know he kind of bites people, and I, and I love my dog, and I know that it like has this tendency to bite neighbor kids, but he's so sweet, and he's in all-family photos, and he was on the Christmas card last year, so I don't want to put him down. You need to love people more than animals. I mean, this is a weird time in history that this is actually something that needs to be said. People are more important and more valuable than animals. Just to be clear... I love animals, they're fine. I especially love other people's animals. I have five kids, I don't need animals. I don't want to spend money on feeding something else. <laughs> I got enough things going on. I, I like your pets just fine, I like them. But your, your pets are not as important as my kids. My kids are, not just because they're mine, they should be more valuable to you. People are worth more than animals. And you can be a fur mama and all that stuff or whatever. And. All the things that people say are you know, my fur babies and take pictures and show them off at work and on Facebook, oh my word. If you have a friend who gets a new dog, just unfriend them. <laughs> like that's all you'll see for the next two months. <laughs> Same thing with kids, I get that, but I like kids better than dogs. so I tolerate it, but <laughs> if your friend gets a puppy, like game over. That's all your feeds is gonna be full of pictures of their puppy. Let's jump ahead to Exodus 22, verse one. So we've learned, like, that God cares about your motive, and God cares about your information. Like, did you know what you were doing was foolish? Like, He cares about that, which is really good news if you're well intentioned. <laughs> it's bad news if you're bad intentioned. So uh, Exodus twenty-two, verse one: If a man steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, he shall repay five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. So here we learn something like interesting about it, that God actually like upholds personal property rights. <laughs> Like, what God has, like, two things. Everything you have, God has given to you. But what he's given to you is actually yours. That's actually yours. Now, you have to simultaneously believe both those things, right? This phone is God's. And it's Todd's. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> it just happened to rhyme. And then I met Rod this morning earlier. <laughs> I was just like, oh, man. Um, so, God has given you everything. Everything you have is God's. You need to know that about your stuff. But you also need to know, like, like, it actually is your stuff. So, like, if somebody steals it, they're wrong because it's yours. (laughs) Like, Like, it's okay to share stuff, and it's yours. So you can let people have it, but it's yours, right? So it's yours. So theft is only possible if you actually own stuff. If you don't actually own it, then nobody's actually breaking and entering. Nobody's actually stealing because it's actually yours, and God sees it that way. Jesus sees that as your stuff which is why you can't just take somebody else's, whether to eat it or to sell it or whatever, which you see on the cereal. You can't just take it and kill it to eat it or sell it. And if you do do that, did you see, like, if you take an ox, how many do you have to pay back? Five, right? It's not just like, sorry, I took your ox. (laughs) Here's one, we're good now. It's like, no, like, you've paid the ox back, but you haven't paid back for the fact that you're the kind of person that takes somebody's ox. God God has restitution, we're made square, but also retribution, like, Something else needs to be paid for the fact that you did that. It's not okay just to financially get square. There's like a moral component to what you did that needs to be made right. You need to go above and beyond to pay back. Like Zacchaeus, you see him, he robbed people in the New Testament. So he pays back three and four times because he's trying to make right, not just make square. Making right is different than just making square. And another thing about this fact that God sees our stuff as our stuff, it makes generosity possible. If you don't actually own your stuff, you can't be generous because it's not even your stuff. So it'd be easy for me to write checks out of Stan's account. <laughs> you know, like Stefan's like, hey, can I borrow money? It's like, sure. What do, how much do you want? I don't care. It's Stan's money. <laughs> like, I'm not generous if I write checks to Stefan from, from Stan. Does that make sense? But if it's my money and it costs me something, now I have the opportunity to be generous. The fact that God sees the world this way gives you the chance to be Generous. You can actually share. You can do that. You can give people your stuff. And I think a really good example of this, in the Old Testament, David um, is commanded to build an altar on this guy's threshing floor. God tells him to do it. His name is, I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it, like Aruna, let's call him. <laughs> because I don't know how to pronounce it. It's A-R-A-U-N-A-H, Aruna. And so David comes to Aruna and is like, I'm supposed to build an altar here. Aruna's like, you're the king. I've heard about you. You're awesome. Just take it. You can have it. You can have the threshing floor, I'll give you the oxen to do the sacrifice, it's yours. You're awesome. If God wants it and you're the king, done deal. But David says no. And then I wrote down what he says here in 2 Samuel 24, if you want to read the story. He says, David says, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. I will not give him something that cost me nothing. And so he insists, Aruna, I will buy this for you for full price and the oxen, so that we can level this thing, make an altar, kill the oxen, sacrifice to the Lord. It has to cost me something. In order for it to cost you something, it has to, you have to own it. You have to buy it. It has to cost you something. But it's generosity gives you the chance to sacrifice. The fact that God allows you to own stuff gives you the opportunity to be like Jesus, who has his own life that he lays down, because it's his life to lay down. Just like it's your life to lay down for your God and for your neighbors. Okay, so boil this down, like, I didn't even touch all of them, right? Like, I only touched a few of them, and you're like, okay, so what, give me something to walk home with, because that's a lot of stuff. Like, what's, if you were to say, like, Todd, like, what's the most important of these? Like, which one should I really focus my energy and time on? That's a really good question, and somebody actually asked that once. I have it up on the slide. Matthew 22, 35 through 39. Here's where we'll land our plane for the morning. This is Jesus interacting with some people. And one of them, a lawyer, so somebody who's really good at the law, like this is what they do. They memorize case law. This is what they, that's what a lawyer is. They're familiar with the laws. One of them, a lawyer, asked him, Jesus, a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So there's a bunch of these. Which one do you want me to really focus on? Which one's most important? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So I only went through a small section here. There's more. <laughs> if you've ever tried to do a Bible read-through, this has probably been like a struggle for you. These things and like the Hebrew phone book that you get into, you're like, oh my word. You're like, can I just like flip through and say that I read it? Like I, I can't even pronounce these names anyways. This is like, there's 613 laws total if you want to add it up. Somebody did the math. 248 do's, 365 don'ts. So you have a don't a day. <laughs> so it ends up working out that way. We have 365 thou shalt nots. So you can just like, instead of like a proverb of the day, you can just have a don't for the day. <laughs> like today, don't keep an ox that gores people. <laughs> That's the law for today. Don't own a dog that bites people. If you know it does, get rid of it. <laughs> um, so Jesus boils all this down. He's like, there's 613 of these. What's the essence? Like, what's important about this? What do you want me to focus on? What's the best, the highest, greatest law? So Jesus summarizes, he says, love God and love people. Love God, love people. That is a summary of the law. If you understand that, you understand what the law is trying to get at. Now that's way easier to remember, right? Like I only gave you like four things, but that's way easier to remember than 613 different laws. It fits better on a coffee cup. It fits better on a t-shirt, like love God, love people. That's way easier. I could drink my coffee and see that trying to fit 613 laws. How small is the print on that thing? <laughs> like trying to figure that out. So that's easier to remember. But is that easier to do? So, oh, so all you want me to do is love God with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, all my strength, all the time, always, without exception, always. Just that? <laughs> Just that, oh, that's all you want? That's all God requires is that I love him perfectly? Oh, I'm, I'm thankful for that clarification, Jesus. That makes life easier for me. <laughs> Jesus was not trying to make this guy's life easier. He was trying to boil down what the law actually says. Love, if you want to go to heaven fulfilling the law, you must be perfect all the time, without exception. That's what Jesus is telling him. And it's way easier to remember if, you have a, if you're leaving here like, I don't know what to do with my life. Be perfect. That's what God wants from you. Be perfect. And I hope your response to that would be like, well, that seems kind of hard. So if that's the standard, then who's going to heaven then? Because who could do that? Exactly. Exactly, you're getting it now. If your heart is starting, if your mind is starting to ask those questions, you're, you're coming to the right conclusions. If that's what God requires, who could do that? Jesus makes the law harder, not easier, when he reduces it to those two words. Love God, love people is not easier to do. It means if you want to go to heaven, just love God perfectly. And if you want extra credit, love other people. Just that, just that, that's all. That's all I want from you, just do that. Remember from last week, I'll end on this illustration. Stan brought up an MRI. You remember that? How he didn't, wasn't able to run uh, the hurdles because the wind was at his back? <laughs> and he turned into a three step hurdler, and apparently not a successful three step hurdler. <laughs> and he fell. And he, if you he weren't here, this part, this is towards the end, so this part did get recorded. <laughs> um, he, he messed up his knee, and so he went and had an MRI done. And uh, the MRI showed him what was wrong, right? Did the MRI cause the injury? Is it the MRI's fault? Is the MRI bad for telling him bad news? No, the MRI is just telling you what's already there, right? The MRI is saying, like, your knee hurts? Yeah, there's a reason. Because your ACL, right, ACL? yep, not MCL, ACL, was torn or just gone, <laughs> just evaporated. <laughs> he fell so hard it would just turn into dust inside himself. His ACL was reabsorbed into his person. Um, so can you imagine if Stan was like, ah, oh, that's horrible, I'm so thankful for this MRI. It told me that my knee is messed up. Can I have that MRI for a second? Can you give me that? Maybe I'll just rub it on my knee. <laughs> just take the MRI and just rub it on my knee. Does that make it better? <laughs> Do MRIs, are they good at healing stuff? No, like they're really good at showing you what's wrong. But if you use them wrong, you could be like, stupid MRI. I just tried and I rubbed it all over my body. <laughs> and I'm still jacked up. Like I still didn't, it didn't help at all. So you're using it wrong. The law doesn't heal you. It just shows you what's wrong. And if you rub, like, well, just cover myself in more law. Just do better. Be better. Okay, be perfect. Okay, that's what God wants me to do. I'm just going to try harder. Be better. Pay more attention. It doesn't fix the problem. You can't get right with God by applying the law better. So you don't have those ashy elbows and everything. It doesn't work like that. The law doesn't heal you. It just shows you what's wrong. So the law is good. Hear me say this. The law is very good. In fact, it's perfect. It's holy. It's not the law's fault. It's just really bad at healing people. When you use it wrong, it feels bad. So love God, love people is a great summary of the law, but that's not good news. That's actually really bad news that God requires that of us. But this is exactly why Jesus lived and died. Understand this, Jesus didn't come just to clarify, like, hey, you guys are doing it wrong. Uh, You've heard it said, don't murder, but actually don't hate people. And you've heard it said, don't commit adultery, but just don't lust. Good got it? I'm going to beam up now. (laughs) Like you didn't just hit eject. Like all you need is just clarification. Like, oh, you thought I meant this. No, no, you misunderstood. I meant this. We good? Okay, I'm (laughs) out. That's not how Jesus worked. He stayed and he lived and he died because we don't just need clarification on what God wants. We need somebody to do for us what we can't do ourselves. And so Jesus lived the life you should have lived. You should have loved God with all your heart all your soul, and all your mind. That's why he made you, and you don't do that very well. So Jesus did that for you. And you deserve to die for the way that you've broken the law, and Jesus died a death he did not deserve for you. He died the death you should have died. Jesus hung around to live a life that you should have and to die a death you should have. Let me show you one last verse. Acts 13, 38, 39 summarizes this really well. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. You cannot be free by doing better. You can only be free by Jesus. He sets you free from the weight of the law and from the penalty of the law. Jesus sets you free. The law is good, and it's meant to drive you to something. MRIs, are meant to lead you to seek treatment. Oh no, I didn't know. Ah, what should I do? Next step, light bulb. Ah, God wants me to be perfect. Ah, what do I do? Light bulb. The law was meant to lead you to seek Jesus. The MRIs are meant to lead you to seek treatment. The law is meant to push you to seek Jesus, may that be a light bulb for you this morning if it hasn't been in your life up to this point. Only Jesus can set you free. The law has a perfect place in that process. But Jesus is the, the ointment, the healing, the medication that you're supposed to seek as a result of this. Don't seek healing in the MRI. Don't seek healing in, in the law. Seek it in Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you that you haven't left us alone just to try and figure this stuff out on our own. Um, I'm grateful that, yeah, we have laws and we have ideas about what you value. You, you see our hearts. You know what we meant to do. You know, like when we really, we intend for good and it doesn't turn out the way we thought it did would. Um, and you know that about us. You know that sometimes things happen. We didn't know. We were ignorant. We were, we just didn't know. And uh, you know that. And so I'm grateful that you know our hearts and that you're a perfect judge who doesn't miss any evidence in that courtroom scene at the end. You don't overlook anything. You're not persuaded by nice suits or, um, smooth talking lawyers. You know what's true and you don't miss anything. And so I thank you for that. And then on the flip side of that, Lord, I know that you know my heart and you know the evil and the things that I've thought about doing and the things that I meant to do and just wasn't capable of. And so I thank you that Jesus came and made me even more aware of that, not less aware of that, but more, and that you actually did something about that. Um, You saw me and you took pity on me. You saw these people here and you took pity on them. You lived the life that they should have so that you could hand it over to them. And then you took the death that they were supposed to have. Um, And it it only works because it's actually your life to give. And you owned it and you surrendered it. You sacrificed it so that people could live forever with you. And so thank you, Jesus, that you free us from things that we could have never freed ourselves. Uh, Thank you for the law that shows us what you were like and what we ought to do. Help us to live Um, in a way that tries to honor you because the law is good and it tells us what you desire. So help us to aim ourselves at that, but resting in you as we do it. Help us to love your law and to do it, um, but not because we're trying to earn salvation, but because we have salvation in Jesus. And as a result of that, we want to honor our father who's in heaven. In his name we pray. Amen.